Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. I think it's safe to say that everybody in this room has been scared or afraid at some point in time. So how many have ever been afraid or scared at any time in your life? Raise your hand. Earthquake. Earthquake. We'll get into that. But anyone, have you ever been literally so afraid, so scared, that you were literally paralyzed? Paralyzed with fear. You were so scared you couldn't literally... Your, your legs would not move as you're trying to. You're so full of fear. Unable to take another step, not knowing what to do. That's a horrible feeling. And to be so full of fear is, is really not the plan of the Lord. One summer at kids camp, talk about fearful, we were up at the uh, archery and... and uh, we would have, a, I don't know, about 175, 100, or 200 kids, and it's just a lot of fun. So uh, I decided to go over and make my rounds to all the different places, you know, and go to arts and crafts and the pool. I went over to the archery to see how they were doing. And, and while we were there, all of a sudden, we saw a lightning flash, and then immediately we count one Mississippi, two Mississippi. It kind of tells you how many miles away that was. And it wasn't very far. It was only like about two to three. I'm like, okay, close shop. We got to leave. I'm sending my counselor, CIT, you know, counselor in training, campers. Let's close up shop and quickly make your way back to your cabins, be indoors. So we close up shop and we're all walking back to our cabins. Now there's a CIT in front of me, a counselor in training. He's only like from here to there. He's just a, two to three feet in front of me. And all of a sudden... You know, I'm not a petite guy. So all of a sudden, this big former football player, I just go, whoa. And I buckled. I'm like, what is going on? Within that nanosecond, all I saw was a flash, and he was in mid-step. And he got hit by lightning and it came out his ankle. It was horrible. And I praise God that we, we had our, our camp nurse, his nickname was Cookie Monster, and um, but he was a doctor, but he would he would stop his practice to come up for a full week to be with us. Just to be with us. He loved it so much. So I can't tell you how scared I was that I almost lost this this, you know, 19 year old kid. And I'm trying to and I was doing all the right things. And then we heard about other you know, so now there's what we call resident staff from the YMCA, and they told everybody, turn all the TVs off, turn everything off, because you don't want any lightning to come through the, the power. Well, the kid's over there doing his little thing with his thumbs, and he got shot 10 feet back because it struck, it struck the, the cabin. And so it was, I'm telling you, I, I, it was so, I, to this day, I remember in Iowa doing a baseball uh, double header and we saw lightning and uh i went over to the other guy and it was far enough away we had to stop the you know for safety 
And then I just looked at the guy, and he was getting closer and everything else. I said, we're done. I go, we forfeit. And I just walked away. And the guy was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he goes, what's wrong with you? And he's just like, you know, like, I go, you don't have a clue. You don't have a healthy respect for what we're in. So I was pretty afraid. You know, I've also been afraid in another situation where I stood up for the right thing, the righteous thing, and it cost me my livelihood. It cost me my name. I didn't do anything wrong. And, and because of that event, that kind of event was going to impact and has impact my family. I didn't know what to do, and I didn't know what not to do. Because if I do, do I make it worse? And if I don't do, do I make it worse? I was full of fear. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been so afraid, you just don't know what to do? All you feel is fear and chaos and confusion. Have you ever been that afraid, really afraid? Well, I have some good news. Because today we begin a four-week series called Fear Not. Surprisingly, the Bible has a tremendous amount of insight to speak about fear. In fact, some scholars even tell us that there's 366 fear nots or some form of fear not in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. That is a fear not for every day of the year and one day for leap year. I find that interesting. In fact, it's abundantly clear that God does not want His people to live in fear when we're facing adversity or struggles. It's our enemy. Yet for whatever reason, we, even though we have a daily prescription by God from the divine to not be afraid, we get afraid. We get afraid. So why do we struggle with that? What can we do about this? And is there a better way to approach life when it comes to fear? Well, Father, as we come, we ask that you would just empty our minds of those things that would attack us and plague us and distract us from hearing the word of God. Lord, that we could be set free from this curse of fear. Lord, we're guaranteed adversity. We're guaranteed trouble's going to come after us. We're guaranteed struggle. But God, you don't give us fear. So Lord, help us to gain insight that there could be a metamorphosis, there could be a transformation in us spiritually as children of God. Your will, your way, Jesus' name, amen. So as we begin this Fear Not series, we want to explore Paul's advice to Timothy. He was a young pastor, Timothy. And this is what he says to him in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. He says, God has not given you a spirit. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. According to the scripture, fear does not come from God. 
But I thought that the beginning of wisdom starts with fear, Pastor. So what does this mean? Is there a difference? Yes, there is. It's important to recognize that there is both a healthy fear and an unhealthy fear. Understanding the difference could literally save your life. And it will definitely help you interpret God's daily encouragement to not fear. So let's begin with a healthy fear. Healthy fear can literally save your life. It can be beneficial. Let me give you an example. Let's pretend for a moment that you're hiking up in the woods, in the backyard of Ladon and Kathy's neighborhood, and there is a bear. It's a big mama bear. And she's got a few cubs. And you notice that the cubs are over there, you're here, and mama bear's there. So what is going on? I think the best thing in the world for you to do is pull out your little pop pocket Bible and pull through and start going, for Jesus loves you, this I know. What are you going to do? Pull out a few Bible verses in that moment? Or maybe you kind of go, whoa, and then as fast as you can, turn and run like a cheetah through the African Serengeti. All you got to do is run faster than your cousin Vinny who's with you. That's it. Run faster than Cousin Vinny. Forget it. Healthy fear can heighten and it can sharpen your senses. Which in many situations is a great benefit. There is ample evidence that a person's internal fight or flight response that mechanism is simply natural it's a natural response to to that hazardous situation that you find yourself in like running into a mama bear and her three cubs or getting into a car accident or having to face out of nowhere an earthquake i, I was here doing some work in the church so i was already up high moving and everything else so i didn't feel anything and my wife felt it, and she told me about it. Anybody here feel the earthquake? You know, the worst thing about an earthquake, the one thing you rely on every single year, day of your life, that it doesn't move. You know exactly what's supposed to do 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it changes its mind on you. And it doesn't tell you that it's going to change its And I'm telling you, it's kind of scary. But God tells us to fear not. So whether you call it fear or maybe just common sense, there is a healthy fear. And it can be advantageous, whether it's an earthquake or a bear or a snake or something of that magnitude. It's also important to note that as followers of Christ, a healthy fear of the Lord is not only beneficial, it is biblical. Let's look at a couple of verses here to frame that idea. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. For the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. 
Remember when you were a teenager, maybe it was you, maybe it was somebody you knew, and how they would always talk so rude about the things of God because they were in that rebellious stage, right? We look back at them now and we say, man, they're, they, you would say, huh, they're fools. Have you ever been a fool? Anybody? Yeah. See, but when we, that fear of the Lord, that's the beginning of true knowledge. That's foundational. You know, you can't build a roof until you have a foundation. You can't build the walls until you have a foundation. The first thing is foundation. The first thing is the fear of the Lord. Now, that word is not fear like you and I think. Our problem with our language is we only have like one word and we use it a thousand different ways for the same thing with the same word. It doesn't work that way. I'm going to show you in a little bit. In the Greek, there's a le- there are seven different words for love. And we use it as if we say, I love my wife and I love pizza. And we do the same thing with the word fear. In this word, the word fear is also looked at as the word reverence. Extreme reverence in all. It's important to have a healthy posture of reverence towards the Lord. Sometimes I've seen people and you know that name it and claim it crowd, and God bless them. But when you begin to start demanding God do this and God do that and God, whoa, where's the reverence? Where's the awe? I mean, as the creator and the sustainer of the entire cosmos, God is the rightful owner. And He is uniquely in His divine place that we are to honor Him. To show reverence to Him at all times. In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Solomon knew the fear of the Lord was beginning of both knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Interesting. Godly fear and reverence are fundamentally about acknowledging the proper place of the Lord as the divine, the creator, the sustainer of the entire cosmos, and of you. Of you, of me. Now, as we move into to, from going from healthy, as we move over into unhealthy fear, make a note of that unhealthy fear's proper place is also still in the same hands of God. We're to trust Him with that. I trust God with my unhealthy fears and not just my healthy fears. But we'll talk more about that next week in next week's sermon. Let's look at unhealthy fear. It can paralyze and it can stagnate you. And this is not God's plan for you. Have you ever given up on a dream because you got afraid? Boy, it got quiet when I said that. You got afraid. You gave up. 
Was that God? Or is that the enemy? As Paul explains again in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. First of all, did you notice that this verse speaks about a spirit of fear? This is spiritual matters, therefore it's spiritual warfare. And that God does give you something. He gives you the spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. Those are spiritual gifts from the divine. In his first letter to the church there in Thessalonica, here Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Let's move on. And in his letter to the church of Jerusalem, James says, chapter 1, verse 2-4, to My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, and let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. See, God wants us to persevere, to finish the race so that we will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This process of sanctification can be costly. And there are many potential problems and obstacles that you and I will face in this process of sanctification. The early church members faced all kinds of ridicule. They faced all kinds of persecution and would occasionally lead them to death. Do you know that they actually took it as a trophy, as a medal, to suffer physical torture all the way to death? Have you ever heard about the story about those missionaries that would take their coffins, put all their belongings in there because they brought their own coffin because they bought a one-way ticket to the mission field because they weren't coming home. But they were going to share Jesus. See how they overcame fear? I'm sure they had a healthy understanding. But they took their faith serious. They took the Great Commission serious. Nowadays, I don't think we fear that we could be killed because we're Christian. But it's changing, folks. It's changing. People are... They're doing something uniquely different. Before they would punish you and throw you in prisons and stuff. Now they counsel you, counsel culture. They, they blackball you in your name on social media. They go after your job at the place that you work and complain about you and try to get you fired. Why? Because you're in this group and you're not in that group. I thought that was junior high. Folks, everybody's worried about all these social problems. The LGBTQTBB, I mean the whole alphabet, right? And the straights. The vaccined. And the not, the masked, and the not, the blue, and the red. 
How many more times are you going to divide us? The problem isn't these different groups. The problem is we are full of power when we are united. And when we're worried about being in this camp or being in that camp, we're not united under His name. Let Him tell us where we're supposed to be. Instead, we want to fight. And then when the fighting goes on like little children, we get scared. Stop fighting! He gave us love. You want death for them? Love them to death. And they will find life because of your love. It was His love that saved us while we were His enemies. We were in the other camp. And we didn't, were not in His camp. We were sinners. He was righteous. Matthew chapter 5, 11 says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things on social media against you because you are a follower. What, what? God what? Blesses you. Ever been attacked, Pastor Rick? When you stand up for righteousness, they're going to come after you. Don't have to pick a fight. And the hardest thing in the world is just trust the king. And I'm not saying, you know, Jesus told me, turn the other cheek. Well, once I've done that, I'm ready. Now it's their cheek. I get that. Because Ecclesiastes 3 is very clear. There is a time for everything. And there is a time to fight. Israel knew that. They learned that. There was times, they, you know how they got the promised land? Have you, have you been aware of how they got into the promised land? They had to fight for it. We don't have to fight for needless battles. But there are times when we do need to fight. God will make that clear. He'll make that very clear. You know, he gave us three things that we, he knew we would need, and I want to look at those three things. Let's look at power. What I'm about to tell you is some of the most exciting, important news that a believer can receive. The same word that Paul used to encourage Timothy is also the word that Jesus uses here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power. That's the word dunamis, where we get the word dynamite from. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Somebody say amen. And you will, re, you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
This kind of power, this kind of dunamis leaves no room for me to be full of fear or doubt. And I'm talking about unhealthy fear. When a believer has the Holy Spirit working in and through them, there is nothing that can be accomplished in the will of God more than when the Holy Spirit is upon me. I'm telling you, I've been in those places when I know I'm moving in the gifts, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's like, what is going on? And you see God move. But when you're scared, unhealthy, God's not around. I pushed Him back away from the situation. And not to mention this, but let's go on to this. Romans 8, 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, and we're talking about resurrection power, lives in you. Whoa. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. He's saying that same resurrection power, that Jesus was in that tomb for three days and three nights, and all of a sudden, bam! God pulls them from the clutches of hell, brings them to life again, and says that same power that brought him alive from the cross, from the beatings, from the flogging, and all of a sudden, glorified state, that same dunamis is in you. It's in me. Are you experiencing unhealthy fear that's hindering you from experiencing the life of Christ? You're destined for that life. Then you need to check yourself. Why am I walking in this fear? Do those panic attacks, that anxiety, does it come at you? Does something trigger you? And all of a sudden you go, woo! And you're just like, this isn't right. You need to check yourself. We serve a miracle-working, death-defying, grave-robbing power that's found in Jesus Christ. It's found in the Holy Spirit. And He dwells within you. If you let Him stir it up within you. Let's look at the word love. The book of 1 John uses the same word that Paul uses when he tells Timothy that he has a spirit of love. And this could be an entire sermon all by itself. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. It's not in your notes. When we walk in the spirit of love, as Christ did, unhealthy fear is driven far away from us. Jesus walked to the cross in the spirit of love, and we can assume that he walked out of the grave in the same empowered spirit of love. He didn't come out with revenge in his eyes. He walked out with love. Come. Come. My dad's made a place for you. They're incredible mansions. You're welcome. Come. Let's go to the table and eat. We've got a banquet. Come. That's the joy he had. Not revenge. Not I'm going to get even. Don't forget that. 
that same Spirit lives in you. The next time you're experiencing fear or any of its associates like anxiety and worry or doubt, stop. Check yourself. Say, Lord, I need help. Let's look at the, the Greek words for love. There are seven of them. Uh, sit down in your notes. Number one, eros. That's the romantic love, where we get the word erotic, eros. Phileo, brotherly love. This is deep, deep friendship. Then there's ludos, playful, flirtatious love. Then there's thorge. That's the family love, like the parental love over their children. That family love. Then there's, this is a hard word, philolutia. Don't name your daughter that. This is self-love. Now, this could be, like we've been talking about, healthy and unhealthy. An unhealthy self-love would be where I'm selfishness, where it's the beginning and the roots of narcissism. Okay? That kind of selfish love. The healthy one would be self-care. This kind of self-love is self-care. I take care of myself so I can take care of others. I take care of myself because I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's a self-care. This one is self-ish. This one has the right heart. This one has an unhealthy heart. And then there's pragma. Now this is love built on commitment. It's like a marriage that's been around for 35 years or 50 or longer. That commitment of love went from just arrows to pragma, a true commitment. And then there's agape. This is unconditional love. I don't care how much you do wrong, I'm still going to love you. I still offer you a way of escape. I still offer you the blood of the Lamb. It's God's love. And those in his family are to live by agape. agape, It was agape that drove Jesus to the cross. What drives you? I'm sure as we look at sound mind, I'm sure we all have struggled with fear. And some more than others. Some people feel more comfortable or maybe more familiar with living in chaos and living in fear. They, they actually enjoy the drama. I got a relative like that. Drives me nuts. I just got to walk away. Just can't do it. I mean, the bigger the drama, the bigger the magnification and exaggeration. I... Ugh. I just got nothing. I don't know how the Lord deals with it. But the fact is, God has a much better way to live life for me and for you and even that relative of mine than in fear and in chaos and in drama. Paul wraps up this encouragement to Timothy um, by reminding him that God has given him a sound mind. There's power, there's love, and he finishes off with sound mind. Isn't it just like God to give us exactly what we need when we're dealing with something hard like fear? 
He knew that we would need all three of these ingredients. That it would be necessary on this side of heaven. I'm so thankful that through Christ, we've been given a spirit of love, a power, and of a sound mind. This week, the challenge for us is to, it's, it's pretty straightforward. When you begin to feel overwhelmed, you begin to feel stressed out, when you begin to identify, all you have to do is just identify whether this is a healthy fear or if this is an unhealthy fear. Just identify it. So if you encounter a mama bear and some, and some baby cubs, not too hard knowing what to do. Turn and burn as fast as you can. Pull up that 44 if you have to. But do what you got to do. That's healthy fear. That's healthy fear. On the flip side, when you recognize unhealthy fear, you can pray for the Lord to keep you walking in a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and in a spirit of a sound mind. All while we're trusting the Holy Spirit to do what we cannot do. So Father, I pray for your people. I pray blessing be upon them. Lord, the enemy loves to use fear. Lord, the people of our nation and even across this globe, we've been forced to live 18 months under this pandemic thing. Lord, the spiritual implication is that fear has had a huge harvest. It has plagued the church and the believer alike. God, forgive us for walking in fear. And Lord, I pray we walk in power, in love, and of a sound mind. Lord, we can't think straight in fear. We don't make right choices and decisions in the midst of fear. Oh God, set the captive free. Set us free. That we would be strong in our mind. That we would say, greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. That no weapon formed against us, like fear, shall prosper. God, we pray unity amongst the brethren. We pray unity in such a powerful way that even the lost will be drawn to it. Because, Lord... Even the lost are tired of being lied to. Lord, may we bring truth that the lost would find Christ and have the hope of heaven as we do. Lord, your will. Lord, your way. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.